Hey, listeners, this is Grant here, and I have Thomas with me, who is a registrar at Reformation International College and Seminary. So, Thomas, why don't you tell us a little bit about the school you work at? Well, Grant, Reformation International College and Seminary exists to prepare the next generation of preachers, teachers, and other leaders in the Reformed Christian faith. Our college courses are only $75 per credit, and seminary courses are $95 per credit. We also have doctoral programs for those interested. Awesome. So what would you say is a unique feature about Reformation International College and Seminary? Well, one unique feature about our program is that all courses are online and self-paced. Students take one class at a time, and once finished, move on to the next class. Study guides are given for each course where you will answer questions based on your lectures and readings. Our Dean of Studies grades these, emails them back to you, and provides feedback. Quizzes are based on your study guides, and exams are based on your quizzes, creating a streamlined and efficient system. What would you say to those who are seeking ordination into the ministry? We've had graduates use their MDiv degree to be ordained in several Presbyterian and Reformed denominations. Our catalog also shows how our courses meet all the requirements of other Reformed denominations' recommended curriculum for those preparing for the ministry. Perfect. So how can people get a hold of the seminary? You can learn more about our programs at reformationseminary.org. And if you wish to ask me questions or are ready to apply, please email me at registrar at reformation.edu. Awesome. What was that website again? Reformationseminary.org. back to Awakening Reformation, where Reformation awakens now. My name is Grant, and joined with me is my beautiful wife, Erica, the weaker vessel. He's still calling me beautiful, even though we're talking about conflict. If you would like to find out more about Awakening Reformation podcast, you can go to rebelalliancemedia.com. You can also subscribe to Rebel Alliance Media on iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher. Under Rebel Alliance Media, there's also the Rebel Podcast that comes out on Wednesday. Which is super legit. We got P. Nate and Vanilla Knox heading up that podcast. They are from Canada. Canada land? They are wonderful. (laughs) That's right. And we also do a podcast with our kids on church history. It's called Fathers of the Faith for Covenant Kids. That's about 10 to 15 minutes long, and that comes out on Mondays. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit of church history for your kiddos and maybe family worship or a really good bedtime story for your kids. We've been getting some good feedback on that. Yeah, those are just fun. Those are a good time. Yeah. Um, The website also has some teaching series through the book of Revelation and eschatology and also blog posts that come out every week. Rebel Alliance Media also puts out a video every Friday engaging culture and helping you think biblically. Mm Mm-hmm. So go check it out. You'll be glad you did. Yep. We are in the middle of a Reforming Families series. We've already done singleness and dating. A few months back, we did marriage and parenting. Mm -hmm. And so tonight, we're going to talk about conflict in marriage. Yes. This is appendage to 
reforming marriage. This yeah. is more specific. We know nothing about this. <laughs> Cards on the table. There was conflict going into this podcast. Sure enough, you know, whenever you want to talk about something or help someone out with something, you have to go through it. It's been a crazy week in our family. Yeah. We're in the middle of a move. My father was admitted to the hospital. He has some very serious health issues and they didn't expect him to make it. There's just been a lot on our plate recently. Mm -hmm. And so conflict is a kind very interesting the, topic to discuss. Kind of at the fore right now. Also, this is the second time we've recorded this podcast because... Yeah, I was just about to say, we pre-recorded <laughs> this a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And during the editing process, our computer crashed and the file was corrupted. So, we gotta re-record it. <laughs> so, needless to say, marital conflict is something that we may or may not know a thing or two about. Yeah. Is it ironic that the episode on conflict is the one that got corrupted and... Yeah, that is, is kind of ironic. ...causing stress in our life right now? Well, it is what it is. So... So, here we are. Here we are. This is the second go-around. <laughs> I hope it's better than the first one. Yeah, maybe it'll be better than the first one. I don't know, because it's gone. You'll never know. You'll never see the light of day. All right. So, the beginning of the Bible, we see marriage being instituted by God between Adam and Eve. And in Genesis 2, verses 23 and 24, uh, after Adam sings his song to Eve, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, Moses, the one who wrote Genesis, says, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and cling to his wife, and the two shall become one. Mm -hmm. So from the get-go, this is before the fall, before sin ever entered the world. The intention behind marriage was for two people to become one. Mm -hmm. So then Genesis 3, the very next chapter, sin enters the world, and that oneness is destroyed. Mm -hmm. Well, immediately upon God addressing his creation and God asking Adam, where are you? What's, what happened here? Tell me what's going on. Adam throws his wife under the bus. I mean, right there, you can immediately see how that relationship is fractured. Yeah. The oneness is already breaking down. Mm -hmm. We see that sin obviously brings conflict in a relationship, and that conflict is going to be inevitable because both people are sinners. Mm -hmm. well, as I hate to as, break it to you. As long as you're living yeah. <laughs> with someone and talking to someone, it, I mean, even if you're not married to them... You're going to have conflict, let right. alone if you're married and you're sharing the most intimate parts of your life. I right. Mean, how how many, much more so? Yeah. How many horror stories the roommates have, you know? Yeah. Just, it just happens. Yep. Within a marriage, marriage is no exception to that. If anything, marriage is, I mean, probably worse or... Worse? I mean, what is it's worse? more likely to have conflict in a marriage because it's the closest relationship you'll ever have with another person, you know? Yeah. Well, and your spouse is going to see parts of you that no one else gets to see. It's yeah. easy to be friendly and amiable to people around you mm -hmm. that you only see a couple times a week or perhaps a few hours during the day. But your spouse who lives with you day in and day out is picking up your dirty laundry or... Yep. They see everything. Yep. They're going to see way more of you, and opportunities for harsh interactions are greatly increased. <laughs> That's right. That's, That's just normal, natural, sinful, but normal and natural. Right. So that's kind of the why. 
why does conflict arise? It's just sin is in our hearts and it's just going to happen. Yep. So we're going to talk about different types of conflict. Mm -hmm. So what would you say is a prominent type of conflict? Men being stupid. That. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Amen and amen. I'm just teasing, mostly. (laughs) Are you going to keep going? (laughs) No. No. Well, the most common stressor in a marriage, I think, is finances. Yep. I think that's probably what creates most fights in marriage. Lucky for us, we've never had any money, so we've never (laughs) thought about money. And that is honestly pretty true. Yeah, it is. (laughs) But I know that a lot of times there are a lot of arguments brought on because in one way or another, married couples will maintain separate bank accounts or um, separate savings accounts. They'll kind of do like allowances and yeah, like he has his money, she has hers. Yeah. And we've seen that a lot when we've done counseling with couples. I mean, gosh, how many Christian couples? Yeah. 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 I mean, Christian couples, well, and non-Christians, but Mm -hmm. I mean, out of all the counseling we've done, I honestly can say that probably almost every single one of those couples have talked about finances and some how, kind of issue with and how the they're way the finances and, and in some way they've always been separated in some sense you know yeah whether it's like i mean it's been as extreme as the the husband of the family only has a debit card and the wife needs to ask permission to spend money or it's been as seemingly innocent as well we just never closed our personal accounts when we got married so we have a joint account but we also have our Separate accounts that mm-hmm. we use from time to time. And that's created issues in, honestly, I just, I think probably most of the couples that we've talked to. Mm-hmm. Whether it's just what the person spends money on or the direction in life, you know, mm-hmm. I want to spend it on that. He wants to spend it on this. Well, and sometimes it's that. I think sometimes it's just a trust issue too. You know, when, when there is yeah. um, an area of your marriage where you are not completely united, yeah, I was going to go there in a sec. Mm-hmm. When you're not completely one, mm-hmm. then there's always a question. Um, and you may not realize it. You may not even be conscious that that is an issue for you. But I think it does inevitably lead to distrust or just chaos. I mean, who pays what bill? Mm-hmm. Where does where does the phone bill come out of? Your allowance or my allowance? Your or, account or my account? Yep. It, it's just oneness is ideal in every avenue of our marriage, but especially in finances. Yeah, so the people who have not, you know, closed the personal accounts and gotten a joint account, mm-hmm. and that's where all the money goes into, all the purchases are made out of that account, I think, people are probably going to think I'm crazy, but I think you are disobeying God and his command to become one with your wife. Mm-hmm. You're not one. You're separating a part of your life from your wife. Mm-hmm. We've told people, you have got to get the same bank account. And close the other ones. And everyone has access to it. Close the other ones. Well, everyone meaning both spouses. Right. <laughs> That's what I mean. <laughs> All of your friends need debit no. cards to your account. No. and But like what you said is so important, which is why I think God was just wise, is it builds trust. Yep. You know, and there's a security in that. You know, if a guy is the one who gets the paycheck mm-hmm. and it just goes all into his account and then he you know, transfers a little to hers. I mean, what kind of security and trust does she have in that? Like, mm-hmm. well, what if I need more than that? And I got to ask him mm-hmm. for more money or whatever, instead of just, hey, hun, whatever you need, 
you go get, you know? Right. This is our money, not mine. And it's going to be a little bit of work because sometimes you have to reroute bills. Sometimes closing an account can be tricky or, um, I mean, it's it's just going to be work, right? But that's kind of what marriage is. It's marriage is work. And if you want a good marriage and if you want a marriage that is built on trust and obedience to scripture, it's going to be even more work because here's a shocker. Doing marriage in a Christian fashion requires a little bit more than just what's convenient. And hard work pays off. Yep, it does. In the end, it does. And if you're going to be fighting against sin, then it's going to be tough. When I would ask that person who's saying, well, it's it's really inconvenient because I have an Etsy account and, mm-hmm. um, you know, when people purchase things from me, it just goes to my bank account, my, my business right. bank account and mm-hmm. stuff. So are you trying to tell me that I need to get rid of my Etsy bank account or whatever and, and all that money that I'm making should go into our joint account? I'm saying, yeah, that's yeah. what you should do. You should do that. I understand there are certain businesses and certain endeavors where the legality of the issue is that you have to have a business account or something like that. And right. we're not talking about those types of issues. Right. What we're saying is if you're a stay-at-home mom selling a crocheted burp cloth, if you can't trust your husband with those finances, then there's a bigger issue that is lurking besides just your bank account. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're trying to hoard money or store money from your husband – because you're afraid he's going to spend it or take it from you, or you're just building a little cushion in case something happens. I mean, there's just a larger issue underneath that needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not just the money. When you're married, money is ours. Mm-hmm. Who's ever earning it? Yep. That will clear up a lot of conflict. When I was just thinking about the story of Nabal and, and Abigail, mm-hmm. and when Nabal refused hospitality to David and his men, uh-huh. Abigail is like, man, this guy's a fool. She goes and takes a bunch of Nabal's resources yep. that he was withholding and takes it to David. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, even she had access to Nabal's wealth. Yeah. And he was a foolish man. Yeah. How much more should a godly man give his wife access? That's true. It's a good point. Yeah. So another huge contributor of conflict to a marriage would be family, in-laws, and Extended things like family. that. So how can they become a source of conflict? Let me count the ways. <laughs> Every married couple is going, oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> right now. I don't think we even need to give examples. I think everyone who's listening right. to this probably has a few in their own mind Yeah. right now. And they're like, oh, yeah, I totally understand. Like my mother-in-law or my mother or yeah. my aunt or whatever it is. So any way that family is like impeding on this couple leaving and cleaving. Well, and the reality of it is when you marry someone, people will say things like, well, you're not marrying the in-laws or you're not marrying mm-hmm. the family. You're just marrying the person. And that's true. But they also do come with a family and traditions and a mm-hmm. set way of doing life. You right. Know? Holidays. I mean, even down to yeah. like how your husband folds his towel might be different than how you were raised to fold a towel. And then your mother-in-law comes over and she's like, why are you folding towels like this? Mm. And he's like, yeah, why are you folding towels like this? I mean, that's <laughs> never happened to us. But I'm no, just saying, <laughs> I have heard crazy stories of even the smallest things becoming an issue and stirring up disunity. Yeah. So what do you do in those kind of situations? How do you 
thwart those types of attacks on your marriage? Honestly, humility, because when family comes in and visits and they kind of mess things up for a bit, I know some people, maybe the more OCD ones, Mm -hmm. will be stressed out and really angry that they're not respecting their home. And I have learned in order to not be mad and frustrated is to just be humble. Be thankful they're there. Be thankful they're helping out. Mm -hmm. They're folding your laundry, you know? Yeah. Just be grateful for the little things and that will... If your mother-in-law wants to go into your closet and refold all your towels... Letter. What fool are you to say they're not folded that way? I mean, just be like, yeah, and here's a whole other load of laundry that I don't right. know how to fold. You want to do that one as well? <laughs> Thanks for being here. <laughs> you are a joy. Sometimes it can just be like Grant said, just letting go and just sitting back, letting them do it. They're only going to be there for a short time mm-hmm. and then do it your way when they leave. Again, look to the fruits of the spirit. How do I act here? Just go to the fruits of the spirit. Long suffering, patience, self control. <laughs> sometimes, though, there are incidences yeah. that are a little bit more serious than folding towels. Like big life decisions. Yeah, that you just need to say, this is really none of your business. And mm-hmm. I appreciate that you want to help us. If you really want to help us, could you just pray for us? I would love if you would pray for us. I mean, right now, let's all join mm-hmm. hands and you can pray for us. Pray that God would give us wisdom and lead us where he would have us to go. But this is really a decision where I feel like you're overstepping. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean to be disrespectful, but I think this is a little bit too far. And that's just a sign of maturity too. And they might be angry. Yeah, they might have their feelings hurt or something. And you need to be okay with that. And that's half of the problem is that I think a lot of um, children, the, the married couple, I think a lot of us, I'll say us too, don't want to disappoint our parents. Mm-hmm. We don't want to have conflict. We don't want to disappoint them. We don't want to make them angry or cause stress between, you know, a parent and a child. Yeah. But you have to understand that the most important relationship is not between you and your parents. It's between you and your spouse. Yeah, exactly. So if something threatens that relationship, then you need to step back and say, okay, if this wasn't our parents, if this was just a random person in our church or a neighbor couple or Mm -hmm. someone else that we enjoyed and loved and trusted, but they were coming at us like this, would we be okay with them intruding into our marriage in the same way? Of course you wouldn't. More than likely, you'd, you'd step back and say, listen, you know, whoever it is, neighbor of ours, we love you and we trust you. But we think you might be overstepping here. And so we just need to step back. We ask that you pray for us in this decision, but we need some time. Yeah. Thanks for your advice. We're going to keep praying about it. Yep. And that's it. Just leave it at that. Yep. I think sometimes we get a little cloudy and and muddied because there are parents. But Mm -hmm. the reality of it is, is that's not the most important relationship anymore. Yeah. And feel free to ask for advice. Oh, yeah. Your parents probably do have a lot of wisdom in things like buying a house because they have before. Or how to fold towels. How to fold a towel. We're not saying that you can't be close to your in-laws or your parents. That's that's not all we're saying. I'm very thankful that my parents are as involved in our lives and have taught us as many skills as they have. And our super involved grandparents totally love it. Our kids are with them right now. Yeah. Amazing. They're staying with them for the entire month. Mm -hmm. Overmoving, which has been a huge blessing. Yeah. So we are not anti-family. From the very beginning, uh, my parents in particular did a really great job at understanding this is Grant and Erica's marriage. 
we're out. Yeah, they we, don't engage in in our little spats. You know, if we're bickering in front of my mom or something, she doesn't jump in. She excuses herself from the room and she'll busy herself doing something else until we figure it out. And that's another thing that I think needs to be discussed is that I think for women especially, when there is a conflict between a wife and her husband, the wife typically thinks it's a great idea to call her mother and vent to her mother, (laughs) which inevitably always ends badly. Don't do that. Women, don't go crying to your parents every time your husband irritates you or there's a conflict. It needs to be dealt between you and your husband. Mm -hmm. And if there is a decision or there is a a massive conflict that the two of you aren't able to work out, just the two of you, Mm -hmm. it's never a good idea to go to your parents and ask them to play referee. Go to the pastor of your church, seek out counsel from an elder, or if you have someone who's mentoring you, I mean, sometimes it's wise to go and get counsel from your mentor, but that person should not be your mother. Yeah, because there may be conflict that you have tried to address with your spouse and they are just unrepentant, unrelenting. And so now what do you, where do you go? Now you, yeah, now you go to your elder, not your mom. And the reason I say that is because as a mother myself, it's going to be very hard for me to overlook someone who's harming my child or disrespecting my child. And it's just a mother's prerogative to protect and to Mm -hmm. jump in and and just play that role. And so it's much better for your mother to not have to feel this tug at her heartstring to come in and protect you. Yeah. If she can just look at your husband with respect and admire him. I'm assuming your husband's a godly man. He's not abusing you or anything like Mm -hmm. that. Obviously, in those situations, it's different. But if it's just, you know, a typical spat, then just don't get your mom involved. Yep. Don't get extended family involved. Good advice. Really, it boils down to a neglect of leaving and cleaving. Yep. So I think check your heart to a see. A good checklist to see if you have yeah. left you know, your parents and you've cleaved to your spouse is if you and your spouse can make major life decisions without having to ask your parents permission yep. or blessing. If you are not at your parents every single weekend, mm-hmm. if you It is possible for you to spend a birthday or a holiday apart from them without it being a massive deal. And I'm not saying that you can't spend every holiday or birthday if you're lucky enough to live close to your family. But if for some reason you chose to do something else, would it be the end of the world? That's good. Those are just questions you have to ask yourself. So we'll leave you with that on that one. Yep. So another type of conflict that is very high on the list always is infidelity. This can have a lot of different nuances to it. Oh, for sure. Obviously, adultery is a huge conflict in marriage and possibly the the end of it. Yeah. Um, depending on the situation. But what are some other things that kind of orbit that sun? Well, our next episode, we'll talk about divorce. So mm-hmm. we'll get into adultery a little bit more. Yeah. I think if you're protecting your marriage and you're trying to cultivate oneness in your marriage, then anything that threatens that needs to be addressed immediately, mm-hmm. right away. And you have to sit down with your spouse and do an honest inventory of what are some things that cause a lot of our conflicts, a lot of our arguments. And if some of those are the friends that you keep, mm-hmm. then I think there needs to be a discussion about... Guy or girl, right? Yeah, I mean, for guy yeah. or girl, yeah. Well, first of all, I just don't think it's a good idea for a girl to ever be best friends with a man outside of her husband. I think people would assume that with your comment. But I think even with 
guys sometimes some guy friends Mm -hmm. and girls with some of their girlfriends and the way it influences that spouse and makes them talk a certain way think a certain way they come back to the home after hanging out and all of a sudden now it's a fight because you're like who are you what are you well yeah because if you're with if if i'm gonna create a friendship and cultivate a friendship with a girlfriend who is constantly bad mouthing her husband, mm-hmm. being disrespectful, ugly, complaining about her husband in yeah. every possible way. That is going to affect how I view my husband. Yeah. You have to be so careful with the friendships that you maintain. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be friendships that are evangelistic in nature, and they're going to be friendships that are more of a discipleship friendship where you are training someone younger than you, like to talk more respectfully to their husband. You don't just dump them because they have an issue. You yeah. you train them and you say, well, you know, the way you're viewing your husband right now is really disrespectful and, mm-hmm. you know, let me help you and show you some scriptures. That might be okay. But I'm talking about if your best friend, right. the person that influences you is that way, then I think you'd be foolish to continue a relationship with a person who is going to influence how your marriage plays out and how you think of your husband. Yeah, and it's the same way with guys. If you're keeping company with men who degrade their wives around you and talk about the dumb stuff they did, quote unquote, and just try to get you to carry on the conversation with them, you don't need to be hanging out with them. I can't yeah. I can't stand it. It's so petty to me. They need to be proud of their wives. You know, at at the end of Proverbs thirty one, it says that the man praises her in the gates. And in the gates was where the men hung out with the other men and talked about the concerns of the city and this sort of thing. So that's you at work. That's you. That is where you praise your wife. You praise her in the gates. You don't degrade her in the gates. And part of the ways that a man degrades his wife is just by neglecting her too. Mm -hmm. So if your buddies are constantly pulling you away to go golfing with them or they're constantly wanting you to go work out on the car every weekend or I mean if they're just pulling you away from your family to do hobbies all the time yeah then that is something that you need to talk about too just because golfing with your buddies isn't necessarily bad-mouthing your wife Mm -hmm. it still isn't building unity between you and your wife it's pulling you away I mean, physically even, you know, not that yeah. you can't play golf ever, but I'm just saying there are a lot of guys who live for their hobbies and their pals Yeah, and their wife is more like a side gig. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, that's hours of time you are not spending to cultivate your marriage and to ensure your wife flourishes, mm-hmm. that your marriage flourishes, which is exactly what a husband mm-hmm. is. Husband means that you cultivate, tend, keep, and ensure that something husbandry. grows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, husbandry. Look it up, guys. Husbandry. <laughs> Get smart. <laughs> so that's kind of a loaded question. We can go into that more. Yeah. Yeah. Next, next episode, we'll go a lot deeper into um, the divorce question. Yeah. Relationships with our friends and obviously the opposite sex can certainly cause conflict and need to be addressed as soon as possible. Yep. Don't neglect it. Don't shove it down. Address it right away. If your spouse doesn't like a person that you're communicating with, whether it be on Facebook or like mm-hmm. a social media um, avenue, if your spouse doesn't like the way you talk to your neighbor, if the spouse doesn't like the way you refer to your office pal as your work husband, or whatever it is, if your spouse doesn't like it, then they get the final say. Yep. You don't get to defend yourself and say, well, I don't think it you know, is as bad as you think it is. I don't think of it in the way that you're thinking of it. So... Therefore, I can write it off. 
That's not how this works. If your spouse is seeing this as an issue, then that means there's disunity. And for the sake of unity, you need to squash whatever the issue is. You defriend that person on Facebook. You stop making eye contact with your neighbor. You quit referring to that person at work as your work husband. You do whatever it takes to maintain the unity of your family. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't see it as a problem, if your spouse does, the problem is there. Yeah. You don't get to just disregard. Your and you're not sinning in doing that. Your no, marriage I mean, is the most important relationship in your life aside from God. And so it's just you setting your priorities straight. Yep. You're not unloving toward your neighbor in doing that. Absolutely not. You are loving your neighbor because you are loving your spouse who is also your neighbor. Yeah. You're giving your neighbor a good example of a <laughs> husband and or wife. Yeah. So you're loving your neighbor in that way. Yeah. How does a husband or wife handle conflict? Do you think do you think it's different for him or her? How do we handle conflict? Like once conflict arises, once there is a fight, how do we fight? How does a Christian fight in marriage? I think it depends on what you're fighting over. So let's say, well, so let's not go so extreme with like, you know, adultery or something mm-hmm. really serious, but just kind of that everyday conflict. He left the socks on the floor again or he just pick up the socks. Just pick up the socks. Yeah. You know, the, those little things, the little ankle biters mm-hmm. that just eventually you blow up for for whatever reason and now you're in a fight. Mm-hmm. And so what do you do? The little ankle biters that you're talking about in the book of Song of Solomon, mm-hmm. he's talking about the little foxes that ruin our vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. Yeah. What he's referring to is that there's this vineyard that has been tended to and it's in bloom and it's flourishing and it's doing exactly what it is it was created to do. What happens oftentimes is that we put up these massive fences to keep out the deer and the antelope and all these creatures that can come in and ruin your crop and ruin your vineyard, but it's the little foxes that will creep in and will destroy the root of your Mm -hmm. crop. And so those little things oftentimes end up becoming the big things. We might not see them as a big issue. It might just be leaving socks on the floor or, I don't know, uh, the way that your neighbor and your wife communicate. You just think is a little bit too friendly and kind of makes you a little bit uncomfortable. But mm-hmm. but you just let it go and it's not that big of a deal and you just move on. Or there is um, a way that your mother communicates to your wife that you know irritates your wife, but you don't want to create a conflict. So you just let it go and you don't talk with your mother about mm-hmm. it or defend your wife or it's oftentimes those little things that are the big things or are going to become big things up. if you don't address them immediately yeah and those are different for everybody everyone i feel like everyone married probably has those like uh, probably two three things instantly pop into their head right. oh yep that 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 <laughs> yep because as a military wife, the socks on the floor don't bother me. I actually love, not love like I want you to keep doing it, <laughs> but I, like when I do see your dirty clothes on the floor, I just think, yay, he's home from deployment because yeah. you'd be surprised how many of those things you, you miss when your spouse is gone for nine months. Mm-hmm. So when your dirty clothes are on the floor, it's just a sweet reminder that my husband's home. Yeah, that's just, what I do when I leave him there. I just got this will just remind her that I'm home. <laughs> well, now I'm on to you. Um, Dang it. So those kind of things aren't an issue in our marriage, but I know that they can be really irritating for other people. True. So some of it's 
perspective, I think. Mm-hmm. And then some of it is wisdom. Yeah. It's not wise to let the mother-in-law, daughter-in-law conflict perpetuate or mm-hmm. escalate, you know? I think if you're being a wise husband, what you would do is go to your mother and say, hey, mom, I know you don't mean to sound patronizing to my wife, but I know it really hurts her when you say those things. Mm -hmm. So if you could, out of respect for my wife and for me and my home, just not speak to my wife that way, I'd really appreciate it and just squash it right away. Just get rid of it. Be done with it. I think talking through issues is always the best. Mm -hmm. So many times we'll hear from couples that they just don't want to deal with something. Yeah, that's huge. I just don't want to deal with it, so I won't talk about it. I won't address it. I'll just ignore it, suppress it. And what do we, what's that saying about bitterness? Bitterness is like you drinking the poison, hoping the other person dies. Mm -hmm. So obviously, if something is making you bitter, that's not going to help anyone. Right. Communication is one of the things that is probably one of the leading causes of divorce. Yeah. It's people talk about poor communication all the time. We don't want to deal with an issue because it might create conflict. But Mm -hmm. the fallacy there is that there's already conflict. And you're going to just add to it now. And you're just going to ignore the conflict that's already there because you don't want to engage in a conflict that can resolve Mm -hmm. all the conflict. You know, we talked about that, the lie of peacemaking, which I think that would be very applicable in a lot of these situations. But communication, just talk about it. Well, it's like people talk about the elephant in the room. Yeah. You can't hide it. Yeah. It doesn't go away just because you're not talking about it. It's not like your mother-in-law and your wife are going to have a better relationship if you ignore years and years and years of hostility between the two. It's not going to magically get better. Mm-hmm. It's going to get worse and the bitterness <laughs> will build. And so address it. You're the man of the ho- of the home. Right. Address it. And for a wife, I mean, it goes both ways. If your mother talks disrespectfully to your husband and you don't like it, say, mom, if I need to respect my husband, you do too. You're in my home. Right. The way you speak to him is not appropriate. And um, I think that's just wise. And I think it's also wise if um, in like a familial situation like that, if each child deals with their parents, mm-hmm. if my parents are creating conflict it would be wise for me to go and address them first. Or if it was your parents that were creating conflict, it would be wise for you to address them first. Now, there are times when you're the leader of the family and you just need to deal with the issue at hand. But oftentimes, I think it can be better received coming from the child of the parent. There's more of a relationship there and, and stuff. I think for guys, one of the best pieces of advice... I could give them that I've had to learn and learn and learn and learn the last 10 years we've been married is that in any kind of conflict or a fight, you just, you have to be humble. It is the, it is the best thing for you and your spouse. If you take a posture of humility as quickly as possible, even if it was a hundred percent her fault, which is like almost never the case, there's always at least 1% your fault. And so you can own up to that and at least begin the conversation that will restore oneness don't be defensive that's like my my problem my guilty thing is i just get defensive way too quick but if i instead take a posture of humility realize that i'm not better than anyone else i'm not smarter than you know anyone else and just take a posture of humility die to self as jesus has called us to anyway it usually goes a heck of a lot better the restoration of oneness begins you know Yeah, it's hard because a lot of these 
I mean, it just depends on the situation of what the said conflict is, really. Yeah. Because there are going to be times when the husband does just need to lead and make a decision, and it's going to make his wife upset and angry, and mm-hmm. she needs to true. repent. Yeah. She just needs to say, I don't like this, I don't agree with you, but I will still submit to you, and in doing so, submit to the Lord, but I, I don't like this. This is really hard for me. I don't agree with this decision. So you're going to have to be patient with me in this. And I'm I'm working towards submission here. Mm-hmm. There are going to be times when that happens. There are going to be times when men are abusive and their wives need not to submit. And right, yeah, there doesn't sinful, need to just be restoration. I mean, no. yes, restoration, but there doesn't need to just be like, you know, submission. Okay, and, we'll talk yeah. it out. And I know you hit me, but you said you're sorry, so we're good now. Like, no, that's not what needs to happen in that situation. Yeah. So a lot of this really does depend on what the conflict is mm-hmm. and how you deal with yeah. it. The the other thing about the man being the initiator in any kind of conflict is I think it's a gospel reflection because Jesus came into the conflict that is our sin. And men are the mirror of Jesus and the church. Jesus came in. He initiated the resolution, the restoration. He initiated redemption. We didn't ask for it. We were in our sin. And so men can exemplify Jesus in being the initiator, whether it was her fault or not. I mean, it was all our fault when it came to sin. Yeah. There was no fault, absolutely no fault on Jesus' part. So he took responsibility for something that was not his fault at all. So men mm-hmm. need to swallow that pill and act like Jesus. Yeah. I think oftentimes if we are doing marriage in a biblical way, if a wife is seeking to be the helpmate, then things like the socks on the floor won't be a big deal because mm-hmm. we're created to be the helpmate. And yeah. so pick up his socks and fix him his lunch for the next day. And those things shouldn't frustrate you because it's what God partially created you to do, to create flourishing in your home mm-hmm. and to be a, a helpmate to your husband. So I think just properly viewing your roles and then the husband uh, leading his family and taking responsibility. Exactly. And so when the kids are acting up, he takes responsibility. I mean, yep. he sits down with them. He gives them gospel talks, opens up the Bible and shows them Mm -hmm. the air of their ways. And and if each partner is really doing and embracing the role that God has given to them, the conflict goes down. There's much less conflict. Typically, interpersonal conflict between a husband and a wife, it goes down when both spouses are really embracing the role that God gave to them. Mm -hmm. But there are still outside sources and those outside sources then need to be discussed. And I think you just yeah, well, talk and, it out, communication. Yeah, and in that instance too, the man is the protector of the family and the home. Yep. And so he should be the buffer for all of the outward yep. um, sources of conflict for the family because that's his role. But inside the home too, there's a difference between priorities and preferences. And mm-hmm. Erica talked about the priorities for the man, leading the family spiritually, taking responsibility in a lot of those ways. But then in the preferential stuff, the Bible talks about the wife as the home manager. Mm-hmm. And I know. so the color of the drapes or where a table goes here and there or a lamp or the dishes are in this cabinet, the cups are here. All that kind of stuff is home manager stuff. I think men just need to calm down and enjoy that your wife is a, being a home manager, mm-hmm. you know? Encourage her. Encourage yeah. her in that role. I know a lot Thank of- Thank you so much. I know a lot of my friends' husbands just- 
don't see what a huge task that really is to run a home, to have laundry done, meals done, kids taken care of, um, bills paid, groceries brought into the home, and meal plans, and scheduling, and getting stuff ready for church on Sunday, and just mm -hmm. all those little things that go into a wife maintaining a home. It's, it's a lot of work. And so, especially if you're in a stage of life where you've got lots of babies under yeah. tow. Young kids. Then it's really constantly difficult. picking up toys and changing diapers, and it can be very overwhelming. But then you have a husband who comes in and says, why'd you get those curtains? The other ones were just fine. I mean, it instantly is a crushing spirit and mm -hmm. it, it just discourages rather than encouraging her and saying, thank you so much for trying to keep this home a pleasant place for us to live. I really exactly. appreciate it. Yeah, that's not an edifying attitude. Breathing life into that situation mm -hmm. is a way that a husband can take that leadership role and encourage her and cause her to flourish in her giftings and in her role. It just it creates more oneness and more trust and more unity when he does breathe life into that situation. Yeah, the Bible tells us to outdo one another in honor. Mm -hmm. So husbands should be seeking ways to outdo their wives in honor. Mm -hmm. So that'd be a good way to start. Yep, that's for both husbands and wives. I think the fruits of the Spirit are another great lens you can look through to see if you're handling conflict well, and if you just need to look to something for how do I do this conflict well, look to the fruits of the Spirit. I think that will so be a great help. If you instantly go to yelling, then you're <laughs> obviously not fighting with the Spirit. <laughs> fighting, fi I don't want to say fighting in the Spirit. That sounds weird. But I mean, we are told to walk in the Spirit, right? So yeah. when conflict arises, we're to handle conflict with the Holy Spirit's help. Right. So self-control is the fruit of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. If you are lashing out in anger, mm -hmm. then obviously you're not walking in the Spirit. And that's why we talked about the different types of conflict. Not all of them arise from just you being frustrated about something. Mm -hmm. And the fruits of the Spirit can be applied to all the different types of conflict. Mm -hmm. Love, joy, peace. Patience. Peace is a huge one too because yeah. in the last week for our family, there has been a lot of unrest, yeah. a lot of Turmoil. uncertainties, a lot of moving pieces that right. kept moving and we couldn't keep up with. Yeah. And through it all, there was just this overwhelming sense of the Holy Spirit, you know, getting us through each moment. Yeah, and it was really there good. was a, a peace in those situations. So yeah. no matter what the conflict that you're walking through, yeah, view it through the lenses of the fruits of the Spirit and see if you are in fact walking in the Spirit or in yeah. the flesh. So the last piece of advice that I would give to husbands is to guide yourself and lead yourself by the gospel. Look at what Jesus did in the gospel and let that be your lead and let that be your guide. And I'll just leave it at that. For the women, I guess one last bit of advice is that as we submit to our husbands, we submit to the Lord. And that our walk with the Lord comes before any other walk. And we seek to honor the Lord in every role that he has given to us as wife, as mother, mm -hmm. ministry leader, whatever it is that you might be doing in your life. So if you're seeking to honor the Lord, then you do what he requires of you, regardless of whether or not it might bring conflict. And sometimes following Christ and being faithful to him is going to bring conflict, and sometimes it's going to resolve conflict. But regardless of what you do, you need to be faithful to the Lord and trust Him and whatever situation He might bring your way. He's faithful to glorify Himself in it. That's awesome. Thank you for listening to another episode of Awakening Reformation. 
Thank don't... you for sitting in on this marriage therapy session. <laughs> right. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed it. We hope it is edifying and helpful. Feel free to hit us up if you have any further questions or comments. Like and share the content. We'd appreciate it. We've learned a lot about conflict in our marriage. Yeah. <laughs> we might have some tips. This is a lot of experiential knowledge. We're still not very good at it. And anyway. Maybe I should say that. <laughs> don't listen to us. <laughs> no, listen to us. Yeah. Just don't do as I say, not as I do. Right. <laughs> That's my phone. That's the timer. So we're done with the podcast. That's God saying, shut up, Erica. <laughs> all right. Don't forget to go subscribe to Rebel Alliance Media to get all future episodes. And we pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened by the power of the Spirit. And until next time, get woke. Yeah. Let's start with the microphone check. One, two, first. Water to the dry and weary soul of the true church. The kind of things that few search. They say that the truth hurts. Well, this pain is gained, so let's explain the new birth. First things first, can't neglect this at the start. I must preface my remarks with the deadness of the heart from original sin. The effects of the fall. The sin of our first parents brought death to us all. Since Adam was our federal head, what he did counted for us. In him were all rebels and dead. Yo, captured in the mind, disaster, sin and crimes in a Dark state, Alaska in the wintertime, sour in our frames. Left to ourselves, we be devoured in the flames. Cause we're powerless to change. If you feel that way, I pray that you respond happily. As you see what Jesus had to say in John chapter 3. Verse 1 is my thesis, it's the deepest Truth that should get you speechless What scripture teaches will fill in the missing pieces Picture Jesus meeting up with Nicodemus Perhaps it was fright about the other Pharisees Wicked spite against Christ that turned this into naked night He called the rabbi and gave him props Said he was a teacher from God Jesus replied, made him stop Regarding the kingdom of God, no one's going in In fact, you can't even see it unless you're born again That must have consumed and stretched his mind Cause he said, can a man enter his mother's womb a second? Time? Naturalistically, the only way for him to hear it Jesus said you must be born of the water and the spirit No other way to enter heaven That sounds like Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27 In this new birth, the spirit is the source and the agent The water symbolizes spiritual purification Flesh can only produce flesh, that's true and factual Regenerating work of the spirit is supernatural It's kind of like the wind, which is free East to west can't perceive the steps You can only see its effects In the same way the Holy Spirit chooses who he pleases to sovereignly open their eyes to the truth of Jesus. For the spirit's mysterious operation uh-huh. We will all be under serious condemnation I'd still be rejecting the sun If God hadn't said let there be light Like Genesis 1 yeah. And just like the light could not refuse to shine Irresistible grace has renewed my mind Let's exalt the king who died and truly is risen The new birth is not the effect of human decision But the cause It changes our natural habitation and situation It's a radical transformation I was cursed and polluted So my dirt was inexcusable with new internal
with pupils, his person is beautiful, his worth is indisputable, the land is amazing, a standing ovation for his work in the crucible, so let us respond with true worship and love to the God who was given new birth from above. Thank you.